I think we'll go ahead and get started. We'll let other people kind of filter in and see what happens. Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Cujo. For those, we've, I think everybody I've seen in here before, maybe not BDA, I can't remember. Um, if you've been in here, BDA, thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Um, I'm Cujo. We got Dave over here in the in the red polo. We've got uh, Alex up there in the uh, red t-shirt, and we got da uh, Dan up there in the uh, blue t-shirt. Um, I'm rocking the FBVFC shirt. Um, Very nice. You can get on, <laughs> you can get on our, our website there um, if anybody doesn't have one. I think um, somebody just bought one today. Nice. Um, so uh, today's episode uh, is going to be kind of a, a comet uh, roundtable on the um, FAA advisory circular on the exception for limited recreational operations of unmanned aircraft. Um, thank you to Dan and Alex for your great comments that I was able to utilize to craft our document. Um, I am going to link to the advisory circular if anybody kind of wants to follow along here. Um, we broke this down uh, into comments. Uh, we're running seven pages, seven full pages of comments that we are going to be submitting. Um, wow. Bill, yeah, it's it's long. <laughs> um, we are going to be submitting this. We'll it up on our website as well. Uh, for anybody who wants to utilize these comments uh, as a response, uh, this comment period does close, I believe, next week. Oh, the eighth. Oh, seventh. Okay, cool. Perfect. So um, it gives you guys some time to kind of uh, peruse this. Uh, you know, add add your comments, uh, take some away, whatever you agree or don't agree with. Um, I think everybody. Uh, I think everybody will be pretty happy with at least our response. We'll see what they do with it uh, from this perspective or from, you know, this point. Um, but I do want to kind of go through it. Um, let me share my screen here. The right screen here. There. Oh, that's going to be small. Gonna blow this up as big as I can. Dan, how's that look in there? That's readable. Okay. So, um, what I've got here is I list at the top of each section the actual section number from the advisory circular. However, you know, if you don't want to follow along in the actual document, I do quote the offending point uh, that we are referencing. Um, so that um, you kind of know what's going on. So uh, the first segment uh, is uh, in 1.7.3, the operation of a UAS can endanger other aircraft, people, or property when flight is conducted in a careless or reckless manner or in a manner that creates an undue hazard for persons or properties. Our response is, is that this serves no purpose but to promote fear around UAS. To date, there have been no deaths attributed to UAS, and actual incidents have been very minimal. Flying UAS has always and will continue to be the safest way to take advantage of the national airspace and should be talked about as such. By continuing to pursue a fear-driven basis around regulations, the FAA fosters an animus towards this segment of operators and pilots. If this is to remain in the advisory circular, recommend citing sources and studies that contribute to its claim. So you'll see through these uh, things that if it's you know completely egregious or um, something that really, if they're going to keep it, really determines sources, um, we ask for those. Um, yeah, how does this fit the mission of the document at all to clarify uh, the regulations and how to follow them? It, it's yeah, like you say, it's just fluff to scare people. Yeah, and it, it makes absolutely no sense to include any of that in this document. So uh, section uh, 174, um, the administrator may pursue enforcement action against a person operating a UAS under the exception. I'm just going to stop right there. We all understand that enforcement in some fashion or form uh, is likely to happen. However, you know, while we understand that enforcement is a consequence to flying recklessly, incentives to fly safely 
and to be an ambassador for safe flights would be looked upon much more favorably, similar to General Aviation's WINGS program. This was a recommendation from Alex. You want to describe what the WINGS program is a little bit, Alex? So the WINGS program is like a credit system that you get by doing different, like, so the FAA safety team, it's, it's part of the FAA safety team. And so at the FAA safety team, there are usually, web, there's webinars, there's different courses that you can take. And when you join and participate in those, they usually, they'll go over different topics in aviation safety. And when you complete those, you'll get a wings credit. When you build enough wings credit, there are certain uh, rewards, I believe that there are. Mm -hmm. I, since I'm focusing on drones and art and UAS with the FAST team, wings doesn't really have any effect on us but i mm -hmm. do know that there are some like benefits that pilots get um and things to make it so that there's actual incentives for it yeah so I've, I've accumulated could... accumulated some wings points from attending drone related faa webinars um i don't know what to do with them like you said i assume yeah. it's more for like pilots when they have to they probably have to get recertified, take different tests, and if they can do participate in these continuing education things, they probably count towards their education they have to do mm -hmm. each year. So if we had something like this for recreational UAS or UAS in general, then it could get more people as something, oh, I do this with this. I this is we have these rewards and it's more people to learn more about safety. Gosh, I like this comment. Could we change general aviations to FAA safety teams wings program? Yep. Uh, I think a good name for the UAS version could be props. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Almost everything has a propeller somewhere in it. True story. Guys, also, if you have ideas that you would like to see in some of these comments, feel free to drop them in the in the chat here, um, so that or speak up so that we can make those changes. Um, yeah, if you again, give, this is a, you should put in the, the, the comments maybe the props thing because the FAA seems to really love acronyms and cute names, and if you <laughs> tell them to use that word, they have to figure out how to how to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, Alex. The the assignment is uh, what is uh, P R O P S going to stand for? Yep. Um. Yeah, you can do that quietly <laughs> while we get to the next point. <laughs> well, you can make it a uh, recursive. Is, is wings an? A I didn't think wings was an acronym. It probably no. isn't, but they love acronyms. And if you make it a recursive one where the first P stands for props, like yeah. props get, go to the... Prop yeah, recreational the... operation. <laughs> there you go. All right. So uh, in uh, some of these numbers get long. So in 22123, good luck with that. <laughs> um, UAS, uh, as part of an educational program that's chartered by a recognized CBO, um, we, we appreciate them including this in the advisory circular. We love that CBOs can provide educational programs that would allow members of that CBO to train others how to fly UAS safely. Um, you know, very simple. Uh, this is the first thing that we took kind of major issue with. Um, so in 2231, FPV devices are goggle-like viewing devices. Again, this is just for clarification. While many pilots do use FPV goggles to fly FPV, there are many others who use a screen such as a tablet or a portable LED LCD display to fly FPV. It's important to establish this. Uh, reason being is that you know people need to understand what they're seeing um, when they look at a pilot who's flying one way or another, um, especially since these advisory circulars get pushed out to law enforcement agencies and whatnot as well. Um, second part is that these they, they put in there that these FPV devices often provide a restricted view of the surrounded area. Our response is, is that this statement is fundamentally biased and factually incorrect. If this statement is to remain, the FAA must cite sources and research to the affirmative. We would posit, as we have many times before, that situational awareness is actually enhanced substantially versus almost any crewed aircraft pilot. 
We have fewer obstructions blocking our views, no instruments, aircraft frames, or other flight crew's bodies, and often have almost as wide of a field of view um, as a human eye, depending on cameras on board the UAS. Coupling that together with the ability to yaw, pitch, and roll the aircraft much faster than any crewed aircraft, situational awareness is enhanced much beyond that of a crewed aircraft pilot. Please remove this statement. So yeah, Bruce um, was making a good point. We we can hear things very well, um, that's which true, is different you know. than crewed aircraft. Let's see. I'm just going to put a... Leave yourself a note, here. yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> and TechJet was saying that there was a reference to tablets, but I've done a search on the circular, can't find it yet. The circular mentions tablets or screens somewhere. Yeah, I didn't see it in there, but uh, if if you can find it, uh, um, let us know. So BDA uh, is asking, is it recommended to have another set of goggles? I'm goggle screen slash watch. I'm not sure what you're asking. Maybe that was back when we were commenting on the FPV saying FPV is all done with goggles, and we're saying no, a lot of FPV is also done with just a screen and not a pair of goggles. Right, and we're yeah. not talking in this instance about a visual observer, a second individual watching the uh, UAS without goggles. Not, yeah, we're saying the situational awareness, even with wearing goggles, is still better than a crewed aircraft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, I don't, the advisory circular is not recommending you have, you know, a backup set or anything like that. Always good to have a backup set. I mean, for people questioning concerned citizens, cops. So, um, the advisory circular is not advising that by any stretch and neither are we per se. However, at the same time, it's always nice to have a second pair if you've got one available, because that way you can take people for ride alongs and basically describe. So a lot of people who have issues with what we're doing, don't understand that we're not out there, uh, you know, being peeping toms or, you know, scouring uh, the countryside for sensitive uh, buildings or anything like that. It, it, it gives them an advantage for um, being able to uh, see what exactly it is we're doing. And yeah, um, for and BDA, definitely, if we have that second, like Josh is saying, if you have that second pair for them, <laughs> for concerned citizens or cops to look through while you're flying, you can really de-escalate de the situation and show them a good time. Absolutely. All right, so next section, uh, 224. Um, this is obviously out of uh, the FAA um, uh, Reauthorization Act. The aircraft is operated in a manner that does not interfere with and gives way to man any manned aircrafts. The recreational flyer of a uh, unmanned aircraft is responsible for knowing at all times the position of the aircraft in relation to other aircraft, for maintaining safe distance from other aircraft, and for giving and for giving the right of way to all manned aircraft, airborne vehicles, and launch and reentry vehicles. Um, this needs to be, our response is, is this needs to be clarified to specify crude varieties of all of these. UAS pilots often fly in close proximity to one another when in a recreational setting, and this could be construed as to deem that, that it is again against regulations. Take for an example, an FPV multi-rotor multi or a fixed wing race, where oftentimes there are several pilots in the air at the same time flying the same course. So just a little bit of a clarification. Um, to make sure that it's all, you know, manned. Um, and we'll reference that same t kind of response again several times throughout this document. Um, this one says recreational flyers should not contact ATC facilities to obtain airspace authorizations to fly in controlled airspace. Our response is this needs to be reworded as it still implies that a pilot can call ATC for airspace authorizations, that, that they, just that they really shouldn't. Perhaps... Uh, recreational flyers cannot obtain airspace authorizations to fly in controlled airspace by contacting ATC facilities. Now, the second part of that is this next one, where the recreational flyer should submit the request uh, at least 90, day, 90 days prior to the proposed flight to allow the FAA time to review the airspace and the justification provided for the flight. So this is in relation to... Um, flying around uh, airports um, that are not actively or currently on the Lance system. So the Lance system, if you're familiar with it, allows you to gain almost an instantaneous airspace authorization. However, for any facility, uh, 
that is not on the land system, um, they're requiring a 90 day prior no, 90 days prior notice. So our response is, is that 90 days is far too long in advance to request an airspace authorization for a flight at or around a facility not serviced by Lance. This needs to be reduced dramatically. What's the incentives for airports to comply with the Lance system, and why haven't all airports come online as of now? This establishes roadblocks to entering the national airspace and an undue burden without an appropriate or effective solution from the FAA. <clears throat> Checking on comments here. Guess we just have to every day submit a request for 90 days in the future to fly. <laughs> there you go. So you've got every day covered. To... Um, this section deals with uh, the aircraft being registered and marked uh, with its uh, registration number and proof of registration. Um, it needs to have added uh, aircraft that are over 250 grams or 0.55 pounds. Yeah, if they're trying to use um, this document to clarify rules, they've just skipped over the 250 gram part and said that you have to put this on everything, which is not true. Absolutely. So just a little bit of clarification. Same thing with the next one. Deals with labels as well um, and marking their aircraft. So again, if over 250 grams or 0.55 pounds, just changing, adding some language. Um, institutions of higher education, the JROTC, or any other entity may choose to request recognition as a CBO as described in paragraph 3.2. Um, so in the circular in 3.3.2, it tells you to go to 3.2 um, to be recognized as a CBO, which then points you to 3.1 uh, for the requirements. Um, but using that logic, do institutions of higher learning, JROTC, or other educational students that may want to become a CBO, do they still need to be a 501c3? So just a point of uh, clarification. Um, 343. Um, a comprehensive set of safety guidelines may include topics that span beyond the limitations listed at such and such. Uh, the FAA encourages but does not require CBOs to develop comprehensive set of, sets of safety guidelines to enhance the safety and security of all operations in the national airspace and people and property on the ground. Uh, there was an earlier statement in the document on 3114 that uh, this statement contradicts the requirement that a CBO must, prov must provide a comprehensive set of safety guidelines. Does a CBO need to provide these or not? So it's just a kind of... One says you do, one says that uh, it's recommended, but not required. So who knows? As well as the requirement for the comprehensive set of safety guidelines was in 44809 in the 2018 Reauthorization Act. So right. that clarification is more telling them that that's incorrect statement that they have there. Kind of weird. Um, all right. So... Obviously, prohibition on modifying UAS and the carriage of hazardous um, materials or weapons. So apparently, CBOs need to restrict their members from customizing or modifying the aircraft in such a way that creates a danger to the public or the national airspace. CBOs should include a statement prohibiting the carriage of hazardous materials or requiring compliance with applicable laws and rules of carriage of hazardous materials. CBOs should also remind operators that federal law prohibits equipping or arming any UAS with a dangerous weapon. Um, so Alex, no bayonets on the, uh, fronts of your drones. Okay. Oops. Uh, I would I'll take it away. away. <laughs> so our response is this is already in established regulations. There's no need for a CBO to create guidelines that serve only to repeat existing regulations beyond basic safety tenets. Um, prohibition on engaging in careless or reckless behavior guidelines should include information on avoiding careless or reckless behavior. Um, and then they make references to two general aviation uh, books. Um, our response on this is, while this information is good, UAS aviation is not general aviation, and its principles differ as well. While this information is good, the FAA should make the effort to align these concepts more in tune with UAS flights instead of attempting to force general aviation precepts on UAS. Um, yep, the FAA really may... does seem to like to just grab something they've done over there and stick it over here. Well, of course, because they don't have to pay work. extra to have somebody type up a document <laughs> saying what those tenants are. And, I mean, Alex, that's the thing. Alex, is general yes. aviation sufficiently 
general, if you'll forgive the uh, term there, or should we say crude um, uh, flight? I think generalization works. This it. I I think they're both synonymous with each other, at least. When okay, because I I've, I've been, heard it used. I've been cor I've been corrected uh, loudly a couple uh, okay. times. Then okay. in that case, maybe. So we want to change that to crude aircraft. Yes. Yes, please. Because, the, because we capitalized it, it you know, it's a reserved meaning, so well, it'll be more general if it's uh, if it's crude aircraft. Okay. Um, in this section, uh, they make a, a uh, I'm sorry, they make a reference to pre-flight safety, um, and they do multiple times through the document. Um, and our point of clarification, a lot of times it's. Uh, you must do a pre-flight safety check, a pre-flight safe uh, assessment and inspection checklist. Um, and so we're just looking for a point of clarification. What's the FAA's definition of pre-flight? Is a pre-flight assessment and inspection checklist needed before every battery pack when multiple flights are to be conducted? Is this up to the operator? What's the threshold for compliance? Yeah, every um, time you touch down to the ground and take off again, is that a new flight? Is it every time right. you change locations? Is it? Yeah. How the, am I the list goes do a on and on. Pre-flight mid-race after <laughs> turtle mode. <laughs> right. Yeah. Every time you disarm, does that is that a new flight when you arm again? <laughs> well, the, I mean, as long as you don't this, touch the, the ground, disarm the battery, and rearm. Right. Uh, <laughs> this top, yeah, this topic consumed uh, over an hour of discussion uh, in the ASTM when we were talking about uh, message uh, emergency messages. So, uh, yeah, there uh, there are really people thinking what defines a uh, a flight and uh, when is it reset. So I think the question is a good one. Um, in flight safety guidelines for in flight safety should remind recreational flyers to assess the UAE's uh, performance continually, monitor the strength of the command and control links, watch for changing weather conditions, et cetera. Um, our response is, is that not all UAS display this information to the pilot, add if available after the um, after links. Um, we have several of these where it's just like, not all UAS conform to this. Yeah, the person um, who wrote this document definitely thinks everybody's flying a DJI with auto GPS mm -hmm. and all and that. And that's very evident as you go through it. Um, post-flight safety, um, obviously the big thing here is, uh, uh, the wear and tear per the manufacturer. So guidelines should also consider, these are all safety guidelines that, um, the FAA wants CBOs to implement in order to become a CBO. Um, and this one deals with, uh, guidelines that should also consider including recommendations for safely securing the unmanned aircraft between flights to include removing batteries and protecting fragile parts from wear and tear per the manufacturer's recommendations. Uh, not all UAS have manufacturer's recommendations for wear and tear, especially those purchased as individual parts and assembled by the operator. Please strike, use operator discretion for wear and tear. Nothing um, I do with my my drone on my backpack is going to come close to what happens when you fly it and crash it. And Yeah. I mean, it's like when I'm done for the day, it's like strap it with a bungee cord to the backpack, throw the backpack in the back of the truck and call it a day. You know, if I bent a prop, oh, well, you know, not a big deal. Um, right, but we'll be adding, we'll be enhancing our own guidelines and we'll be adding common sense. So, you know, it's a good idea, you know, so if you landed in sand and the, uh, the motors are scratchy, you know, that, that's an issue that's not going to fly well. So that's the sort of thing that will, you know, we're looking for safety and uh, major equipment fails, uh, that we can point out to, uh, folks who are newer into FPV. All right, uh, three four three three one. Um, I feel like I'm, you know, doing hex codes here or something. Um, so this uh, recommended safety guidelines. Uh, if if a CBO supports FPV flying, um, that's the point of this one that we're taking issue with. Back in three one one four, it states that a CBO must provide a set of safety guidelines for all aspects of model aviation. The if in this part um, implies that this is not true. Either allow CBOs to specialize in one or certain types of model aviation or remove the if. 
If the if is removed, consider rephrasing to when a CBO creates a comprehensive set of guidelines for FPV flying, it should include at least the following minimum guidance for utilizing those uh, for operating UAS using FPV systems. Or the person who wrote that doesn't believe that FPV flying is part of all. Right. <laughs> Apparently, it's got its own. And if that's the case, then, not... <laughs> then none of the rules then should apply. We don't have to worry about rules for FPV. No <laughs> rules. All right, so next section uh, is FPV flyers should be proficient in flying their unmanned aircraft without an FPV device prior to starting FPV flights. Now, I'm going to, before I read this, I'm going to start off with a caveat with saying you probably should know how to operate it. However, if you're like me, uh, I can marginally operate it line of sight. Um, then what we state here is FPV devices make flying an unmanned aircraft easier and not all operators may have the skill necessary to pilot the aircraft line of sight. Perhaps rephrase this to FPV flyers should have the basic skills necessary to terminate a flight safely if the FPV system fails during the operation. Uh, a little easier, um, uh, you know, I can easily, you know, bring a, a quad out of the sky yeah, disarm. Yeah, that's usually the safest way, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but even still, I can at least get it to a point where I can safely disarm, right? So I wonder if we should be uh, stronger there and get rid of the word perhaps. Should we just say uh, rephrase hey, rephrase. this? Rephrase. Yeah, I don't I know. agree with that. It's not as nice, but... Yeah, well... I do feel like they're, they're looking for, tell us what the problem is, tell us how to fix it. So that would fix it. All right. Um, visual observers must be co-located with the FPV flyer um, and maintain visual line of sight with the aircraft at all times. Um, visual observation of the aircraft must be made unaided, with unaided vision, except in the case of vision that is corrected by the use of eyeglasses or contact lenses. Now, this is the first. Vision aids, such as binoculars, may, only, may be used only momentarily to enhance situational awareness. Visual observers must be in direct communication with the FPV flyer. Um, our response is, as per the trust, you know, that little test that they're requiring us to take, um, the visual observer may have a brief moment of loss of sight of the unmanned aircraft. Please add this clarification to the recommended guideline. You know, consistency. Um, FPV flyers must have the capacity to see the aircraft at all times. Although a visual observer may be watching the unmanned aircraft, the FPV flyer must ensure that throughout the operation of the unmanned aircraft, he or she would have the ability to immediately see the unmanned aircraft if the FPV device was removed. Um, our response is, from a biological perspective, no person would be able to immediately see anything moving from a dark environment, such as from behind a set of goggles, to a bright, sunlit day. The eyes will take several seconds to adjust to the change in environment. Recommend removing the word immediately. Um, yeah, I still question what's their what's their point in that sentence. Like, are they trying to say, it clarify what uh, visual line of sight means? Or are they trying to say, oh, we expect everyone who's flying FPV to be able to lift up their glasses, immediately see the drone, and then fly at line of sight back to them? Because that's right. kind of what the rest of the document gets at. And I, I disagree. I don't necessarily think that's the right call. And like XJet said before, the best uh, course of action a lot of time is just disarm. Absolutely. All right. Uh, FPV systems should not be used when the weight of the unmanned aircraft exceeds 55 pounds. Um, our response is, what's the reason for this? Please cite research or risk assessments stating why this needs to be present. If none exists, please remove. Um, pretty pretty simple. Um, now, most of uh, anything exceeding 55 pounds has to be um, uh, certified... Uh, in a certain way, correct? Except at a Freya. Okay. Or not a Freya, but a, um, a fixed flying site. Uh, okay. so I, I wasn't, when I was going through and looking at the document, the 55 pounds, I thought that was outside the rule, but when I went through 44809, uh, it talked about how over 55 pounds could be flown at fixed flying sites. Because mm -hmm. uh, at first I thought it just wasn't within the rule set, but it is. But I do know, set. like the AMA requires one of their rule requirements is anything mm -hmm. over fifty-five pounds, they have to certify ready for flight, right? Right, right. It's effectively a waiver, right? Yes. 
But All if right, it's over so... 55 pounds, why can't you use it with FPV? I don't... There's no reason. All Military right. drones use FPV. Are All they right, trying to so... say that Elon Musk can't land his rockets via FPV or something? <laughs> I... <laughs> All right, X so... X-Jet said in here that uh, if you're deaf, you can't fly uh, FPV. Is there any That's reference? absolutely true. Absolutely. And then we reference it later on here. Okay, so that's something we should take uh, seriously and take issue with. And we did. Um, Great. I, I, <laughs> Great. I, I, beat the, I beat that horse uh, a, little, a little bit. All right, Excellent. so... Maintenance of the UAS and its components should be conducted in accordance with the manufacturer's instructions. Uh, again, not all UAS have manu manufacturer instructions on maintenance. Please rephrase to maintenance of the UAS and its components should be conducted to the recreational flyer's best judgment or in accordance with the manufacturer's instructions if available. Um, recreational flyers should routinely check for software updates and if available, consider updating to the latest manufacturer upgrades prior to flight. Our response here is that the latest software and firmware updates may may not always be the best or safest. Often, updates have been known to cause security or stability opportunities. If software or firmware currently on the device is stable and free of these opportunities, it should be up to the operator's description for update schedules. Um, speaking of which, didn't they just publish a uh, firmware update for your V1 goggles? They did, but I believe the only thing it <laughs> says in there is... Uh supporting a new camera or something like mm -hmm. i didn't it wasn't very clear yeah just throwing that out there because i know dave was uh getting ratchety on that yeah and it definitely it, a hot button I, of I, mine i think the idea <laughs> is that this firmware update will block unauthorized cameras from working so there's no All real right. incentive to install <clears throat> it yeah well there you go all right, flight critical systems, uh, rotors, batteries, controls should be checked for damage prior to flight and repaired or replaced if any damage is found. Um, our response is obvious. If you fly uh, FPV drones, there are many times where minimal damage does not correlate to safety risk. A bent propeller can often be straightened. A scratch on the plastic or carbon fiber frame does not change flight characteristics. Should be changed to if any significant damage that affects the flight characteristic characteristics <clears throat> or flight performance of the unmanned aircraft. Um, control links should be tested prior to flight, and no flight should be attempted if command and control signal strength is anticipated to be inadequate for completion of the flight. Our response here is that this information is not always available, and competing signals in an area can oftentimes lead to unpredictable events with control links. This may not be present at the pre-flight, but can occur during the operation. Please add if shared or available to the recreational flyer at the beginning. Guidance systems and instruments uh, should be accurate and performing as expected. Again, not all UAS have guidance or GPS systems. Add if available. Automated feature, same thing. We Not all of them have it. Add if available. Um, they also say the expected flight path should be free of other people, aircraft, and obstacles. Um, our Goodbye, response to that is... Right. FPV multi-rotor and fixed wing racing often happens where multiple unmanned aircraft are in the air at the same time flying around an obstacle course. This would mean FPV racing is not allowed. Additionally, FPV freestyle pilots use natural and human-made features and obstacles to fly around. Please specify people and manned aircraft and remove the word obstacle. Let's see, again, no manufacturer recommendations. I'm kind of uh, skipping that one. That one's boring. Procedures for night flights. Um, <clears throat> so here they are, flyers must maintain visual line of sight throughout the flight when flying at night. To achieve this, the FAA recommends the CBO develop a comprehensive set of safety guidelines that include a requirement for CBO members to equip unmanned aircraft with lights that can be seen from three statute miles away and to arrange the unmanned uh, aircraft lights in such a way that allows recreational flyers to determine the orientation of the aircraft. Um, our response to this is this is not currently in the regulations in the FAA Reauthorization Act of 2018 as a requirement of recreational flight. As such, there is no way to enforce this and should not be a requirement of CBOs to enforce this. Additionally, there are many small aircraft available that would not be able to adhere to this burden as lights strong enough to be seen from three statute miles are inherently heavier than some unmanned aircraft can carry. Or some Obviously. unmanned aircraft. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
Um, okay. So here's where we get into some of the um, interesting, like, deeper uh, stuff. So comprehensive safety guidelines should include certain minimum standards for CBO members to be fit for flight prior to conducting any limited recreational op aircraft operation. For example, CBO should prohibit any person from flying an unmanned aircraft, serving as a visual observer, or participating in the operation of a UAS if the person knows or has reason to know that they have a physical or mental condition that would interfere with the safe operation of a UAS. Our response is, recreational flight of both unmanned aircraft, both line of sight and FPV, have demonstrated to have a therapeutic effect for people suffering from mental conditions such as PTSD, anxiety, depression, etc. Additionally, there are, there are individuals who have a physical disability that may limit their day-to-day -day activities in one form or another, but are more than capable of flying an unmanned aircraft. It is no, no one person's or one organization's duty to restrict the ability to fly based on that, but should be left to the judgment of the recreational flyer. Recommend removing the sentence. Um... Section uh, 34363 deals with, uh, they call it I'm safe, and there's uh, uh, each of those uh, letters in that acronym stand for different things. Um, one of them is stress. Is the recreational flyer experiencing any psychological or emotional factors which might affect his or her performance? Our response is, like many athletes, athletes and performers, stress is a part of a UA uh, flight, especially in circumstances such as a multi-rotor uh, and fixed-wing races, competitions, demonstrations, etc. Additionally, recreational flyers often fly as a form of stress relief. Recommend changing this to, is the recreational flyer experiencing any significant psychological or emotional factors which might deem the flight operation unsafe? Um, emotion. Is a recreational flyer emotionally upset? Um, are there tears flowing? Um, I mean, how do you determine that? But at the same time, as stated earlier, recreational flight of both unmanned aircraft, both line of sight and FPV, have demonstrated to have therapeutical, therapeutic effects for people suffering from mental conditions such as PTSD, anxiety, depression, no one person, or one organization's duty to restrict the ability to fly based on this, but should be left to the judgment of the recreational flyer. Um, I will never tell somebody to not fly because they are, you know, stressed out. I fly as a form of stress relief. Um, so, all right. Uh, here we get into safety event reporting procedures. So, uh, to support and promote a safety culture among all CBOs and recreational flyers, the FAA recommends but does not require that a comprehensive set of safety guidelines address safety events. CBOs should consider including a safety event reporting requirement for recreational flyers. Depending on the size and mission of the CBO, gathering such data may provide substantial benefits to the CBOs as they would better understand the trends and risks posed by UAS and could use the information to devise appropriate mitigations. Um, so, and they include a, a nice bulleted list in the document. I didn't want to copy and paste the whole thing, but what our response is, is that this data would be of limited to no use to a CBO and result in an onerous amount of data to be collected and stored by the CBO. Additionally, a CBO could be the overarching organization, but be host to many chapters who function independently of one another. Additionally, these types of safety events happen at a minute detail almost all the time. A bent propeller would constitute a functional failure, and a broken arm of a multi-rotor would constitute a structural failure. Neither of these occurrences would justify the CBO organization to step in to review. Recommend either removing this entire section or at its most basic level, ask CBOs to recommend that the recreational flyer submit data relating to a safety event of substantial happening at their discretion to the NASA UAS Safety Reporting System where the user and their data can be appropriately anonymized. Recommend removing this section. Yeah, and this is, this is one where uh, across the uh, Drone Advisory Committee, anyone who's involved in crude uh, aviation is really, they love this. They, they love the NASA anonymous reporting structure. They feel that it's changed the culture in the FAA. And we've had hour-long discussions on this as well. And, and those of us... Uh, 
in uh, small UAS, just we're in a, a state of continual eye rolling. Uh, we're 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 really trying to figure out. All right, it, you know, it, there is there some little pony wandering around in the in the barn here? We're struggling to find it. I think, uh, uh, Josh, you've uh, you. Hit the uh, the response on the head, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, is this yeah. the section where it talks about like pilot error too, or is that farther down? Yeah, but it's like, oops, I thought I wasn't gonna hit the tree, but you know, I that hit Scraggle the tree jumped out from nowhere. Pilot error, better <laughs> log it. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my um, voltage sagged, and I couldn't pull out of the dive fast enough. We better better report that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this deals with the same thing. While it is not required, a CBO that elects to gather safety event reports is strongly encouraged to submit the data voluntarily to the UAS safety team. Um, and then our response to that is, as above, CBO should not need to report any kind of safety event to the UAS safety team. That data should be submitted by the recreational flyer at their discretion to the NASA UAS safety reporting system where the user and their data can be appropriately anonymized. The UAS safety team can use that system to identify trends that may need attention and communication to the recreational UAS community as a whole. Recommend changing this section in accordance with this comment. Um, so their ability to use that system is the same as ours. I'm sure they probably have a heightened ability to use that system, but there's no reason that they can't uh, data scrub you know, the NASA UAS safety reporting system or whatever information any CBO would send them. And the up, the upside here is that if the if information is submitted to the NASA uh, folks uh, for the ANSR, then it will be anonymized. And so uh, they'll strip out any PI personal information and the FAA absolutely does not have access to the personal information that is part of the submission. So while we we really disagree with a CBO being rec, you know, recommending or capturing this level of personal information, the, you know, the 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 areas of litigation just you know, make my hair get more gray. Um, <laughs> and I so I think this response is completely uh, appropriate. Um, and uh, the good news is, you know, the you know, to underscore the point of uh, using the NASA system as the FAA does. That while they have uh, lots of analytic capability, they can. There is no uh, personal uh, information. No names are available to anyone in the FAA within the NASA database. Absolutely. All right. Um, so, questions, comments, any other changes? I know I went through those fast. There was just seven pages of it, so um, I, I did want to. Um, so you you mentioned we talk a lot about uh, the was it the blind people not not being able or not deaf people not being able to fly FPV? <clears throat> did we? Yeah, I did. I covered that. that. So um, right here it says CBO should prohibit any person from flying an unmanned aircraft or participating in the operation of a UAS that the person knows or has a reason to know they have a physical or mental condition that would interfere. So what I wrote here was recreational flight of both unmanned and aircraft. Um, unmanned aircraft, both line of sight and FPV, have been demonstrated to have therapeutic effect for people suffering from mental conditions, such yeah, as I PTSD, don't... anxiety. I also said that additionally, there are individuals who may have a physical disability that may limit their day-to-day -day activities in one form or another, but are more than capable of flying an unmanned aircraft. Maybe we want to call out more, yeah. more specifically saying... For example, someone who is deaf uh, can fly an, a, a crewed aircraft, can fly FPV perfectly fine, but the visual observer mm -hmm. can't communicate with them, and therefore they're not allowed to fly FPV. Mention the deaf explicitly. Okay. Oh, well, well, yeah, I'm trying to think. How do we spin? Because if you read the, the FAA statement carefully, they're not uh, restricting anyone, and so... Uh, in contrast to what XJet was saying, I I do not read into this that if you're deaf, you cannot fly FPV. What you know, there has to be accommodation to make the communication viable, which I think is a positive uh, comment that we could make. But I don't see a restriction here, as as long as it you know, as long as they're you know fit to be a visual observer, that's you know that's fine. 
and you know, so they you do have to be able to see and you have to be able to communicate. And th- well, I mean, like... I kind of get the point that he's going for. So um, I know, well, I, I know it was I know I know it was tongue firmly in cheek, but you know, I was trying to you know, garner some seriousness from the the comedy. Well, I mean, there. I don't want CBOs to be making snap judgments at the same time. I get where he's coming from on who, yep. who can and can't fly. You know, yep. there there's an excellent FPV pilot out there, and I think probably more than one, that has no use of one of his arms or hands, and he flies completely with one hand. And that's impressive as hell. Um, but there could right. be a snap judgment made by somebody that says, oh, well, you can't operate the controls. Right. And or oh you're deaf or you know something like well, that. Does just like right. doesn't like sense. grabbing their shoulder count as being within communication and sure mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't and, know. Uh, to, uh, Bruce has commented here, but I don't see anything in here that says that you know if you're deaf there's an issue. So I mean I'm you know you read the statement that the FAA has written, and as long as you can communicate in some manner or fashion with the uh, with the individual who's uh, pilot in command, I don't see. An so issue. maybe. Maybe what if I say I, I like the idea of including something about you know, with your death. or without reasonable accommodation. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Doesn't support paraplegics. Okay. Well, extra what they need is a automatic voice-to-text translator that pops up in your FPV goggles. Let's see. Um, I can... <laughs> yeah, pre-arranged signals. Yeah, I mean, if as long as there's some level of communication that is understood by both parties, it doesn't matter. It's a reasonable accommodation. It's fine. Right, yeah. So I, I like that. To to take so, a to take a, a a little bit of uh, you know wordage out of the ADA, you know. <laughs> there you go. So uh, while folks are thinking about any additional uh, comments or or jokes, um, my thanks, uh, Josh, to you and Alex and Dan. I think this is an excellent set of comments. Uh, we've taken it seriously. They're very professional. I love the tone of this. I think it's you know, it's uh, directive, it's productive, and it's also uh, very professional, as I said. So, uh, I, I think it's a, a good a good set of responses. All right. So, um, guys, if you have any comments on this, uh, just let us know. Reach out to us in in one form. DM one of us so that we can make adjustments. But um, barring any major changes, we're going to go ahead and post this up on our website pretty quickly. Um, feel free to utilize it. Now, keep in mind that you have to email uh, your comments directly to um, the person at the. the, person at <laughs> You're the still FAA. planning on handing them in in person, huh? Alex is determined to hand these in. For some reason, he wants to meet the uh, the individual who's behind this. No, I don't want to meet it. I just want, I just want to hand it in because I think that's funny. So, um, so this is a good point because this is a different process from the uh, notice of public. Um, yeah, it is different. Notice NPRM. Uh, can we get the email? I gotta find the FAA. I think I have a link. So the what the FAA wants us to do is use their form, fill out the you know fill out their form with the comments, and then send your comments to this individual. So, you know, as Josh said, we'll post this up to our website you know, so that you can have it for your reference. And there you go, Josh. Thank you. The the, the date uh, this is due to the FAA by was it August eight or seven? Ninth. 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 Oh, August ninth. Okay. We're all wrong. <laughs> okay, August. Trying 9th. to get it done early. So right so, here, um, if let me zoom this in a little bit. Right here is a link to email that's your That's a comments. different one. That's the. Oh, that is. You're right. Below it. I'm sorry. We want Emily Rogers. Um, so and you click the link here, and that's how you submit them. Don't they you say they mail uh, them? They uh, uh, attached a f- an example of how they want. Yeah, 
I've never yeah, really seen a, yes, draft yes, dra yes, draft document comment, comment grid. grid. Yes, they want you to fill it out like that. Mm -hmm. so, so we might have to reform ours. Again, do me a favor, guys. Once we get this live, we'll push it out on Facebook. We'll drop it here in Discord. Um, please get the message out there. Help us help us reach as many people as we can. Um, I don't think we're going to get 53,000 comments, <laughs> but if we even get a, a small fraction of that, uh, I think we'll, our point will be made. I want to um, see those 53,000 seen... people line up and hand them in in person. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Okay. I would love to so, see that. I so have for, not seen first... any other uh, organizations uh any kind of response like this um i know the ama put out a general response saying you know it's not perfect but you know we worked on this and it paves the way and stuff like that whereas we're taking a direct approach and so bruce is saying the advisory circular is such a sneaky way to try and extend regulatory control via indirection through cbo's i agree I don't know because there's not much here that is news to us. So is you know, the I think you know is it you know does it all make us you know roll our our eyes a little bit? Yeah. Uh, however, there you know I don't see rulemaking going on here. It is finally a institutionalization of the CBO, but new rules. No, it's getting close. The only exception I would say is that they are riding the line fairly closely. They're looking for CBOs to enforce some actions that aren't currently in regulations, such as oh, oh, procedures be, for night flight. I am completely in yep. agreement on those. I was yeah, going to say the same they, thing. The night one, like those are good. If you can't mm -hmm. be a CBO, if you unless your regulations say you have to have a, a light that can be seen from three statute yeah. miles, all of a sudden they've made a new rule. Right, yeah. and the and the enforcement part. You know, they want the the CBO to enforce. Take a you know, take a hike. Though I agree, those are completely out of out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so the other question that you know I have is that you know a lot of this document is recommended but not required. And the question that I would posit to just about everybody is, you know, what if you don't have those? Are you just going to automatically be be denied? I mean, at what point do you have a case for you know? Kind of coming back at the FAA and saying, "Look, you said this wasn't required," you know. So it'll be interesting to see how these uh, kind of roll out. Right. Now yeah. again, I, you know, we're going to err on the side of being more safe than sorry, but right. Yeah, and I would agree with Bruce's point. The rule already exists, and that's yeah, that's really what I was saying is you have to follow the safety guidelines of a CBO. Mm -hmm. And those of us who have uh, been watching us for a bit we've had a set of safety guidelines up for coming up on three years yeah so yeah. What, what bruce is saying is that the reauthorization act says you have to follow the guidelines of a cbo now the faa is using the ability to call somebody a cbo Become a cbo as right. a way of yep. making new regulations or refining things yeah. without having to go through the process of creating those as you normally yeah, I, would i think he's on and I think he's on a really good point on that. I agree. Yep. I agree with that. With that. Yep. So we we will we will modify our safety guidelines as we mentioned, and we will apply common sense, and we'll see if uh, the FAA yeah. has issue with them. We'll do our best to let people know how our process is going when we're mm -hmm. applying to become a CBO. Probably be Absolutely. told we can't re <laughs> we can't reveal anything. <laughs> <laughs> You've right, been embargoed. Embargoed the data again. <laughs> oh man. So, okay. We're not. We're, we're not salty. Are, you know. I can. I can. I should mention that we've uh, we've started uh, uh, two new uh, FAA drone advisory committee tasking groups. Uh, one has to do with a, a safety framework, which is should be pretty cool, and uh, like that's a good group of people. Uh, involved in it and they're taking it very seriously and essentially the safety objective of um, crude um, aircraft is the number of fatalities per year and it's uh, based on either number of flight hours or the number of passenger uh, hours so or we should flight. be good so um, we are working on what's what is a, an appropriate and intelligent uh, safety objective for UAS. So that's really the um, the, the effort, and uh, that should be awesome. 
And second, um, a tasking group has to do with integrating aviation, STEM, and STEAM into curricula for K through 12 or kindergarten through 12th grade. And I'm really excited about that. Alex is also on that uh, uh, tasking group as well as, uh, as I am as well. And that should be very productive. And we're, we will likely survey uh, the, there. I think the, the essence right now is there's a lot of good work going on and it's being done uh, piecemeal. Uh, some larger organizations like AOPA with 200 uh, high schools uh, working on a You Can Fly class. Uh, Alex is uh, a member of GATA, an organization that's uh, worldwide. Uh, Flight Test has classes. So there are a lot of organizations that have classes. And so we, we hope to do this with some uh, level of uh, uh, official blessing and maybe even funding from uh, the federal government that would help uh, promote STEM education with an aviation flavor in K through 12. And I, I so that's, uh, that's useful. EAA venture has three crashes so far. And so, uh, text jet with those, I assume those were all, uh, ma uh, manned aircraft or cr crewed aircraft. Yes. Okay. That's that's. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, friends uh, out there at uh, in Wisconsin. Yeah. The numbers are, um, the, you know, there still are zero fatalities from uh, electric, uh, small UAS, uh, you know, to date. So, uh, you know, we're asserting that I'm asserting that uh, number of fatalities per year is a uh, a, a worth good metric. <laughs> well, it's a mm -hmm. worthless metric because a metric should be aspirational and should uh, motivate people to improve uh, the the overall objective. And if your objective is to try to improve safety, you know what the heck are you measuring if you're already uh, way off the the scale? And even the number okay. of confirmed okay. drone to aircraft incidences are extremely small. Right, it's still right. under ten. Yes, yeah. So. So if we've got under 10, and we've got 10, roughly, we've got 10 million hours of flight, uh, drone flights a year in the United States alone, the, the numbers are, you know, we're way beyond an order uh, uh, magnitude of what the FAA is looking for. So mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a good discussion. I'm enthused, and it is a, it's a great group of people uh, working on it. So that's one of the two tasking groups. And then, of course, we're working on about the uh, beyond visual line of sight aviation rule making committee and that's the that's the one what we have to uh uh that the, talk all the, about all the information is uh, is embargoed but it is it's really time consuming they are there are lot lots of writing lots of reading so hopefully uh, uh that'll be productive yeah and bruce just don't bring up the numbers of the drone on drone collisions <laughs> There's a few Especially of those, Alex's, but I hear he's really bad. But they don't result in <laughs> death or de or damage to people. Right. Just Alex's I at least... soul. <laughs> I think I had at least five this past at the oh, last goodness. race on Sunday. Five uh, incidents five... where you crashed into another drone. So did you report those yes. to NASA? Oh jeez, no. I'm not gonna do that. It's not required. We can't take you anywhere, man. I might, I might report you. it to the NTSB, but because that's well, technically required, but I don't think anyone's done that yet. Yeah. I'm not going to be the first. The, the, so the Alex, NTS... you you found that there is a an NPRM coming out from uh, it's already the NTSB done. done so it's yeah, the comments are closed. AUVSI so, you know it, uh, commented on it and uh, put in comments so. I guess that they they want to have NTSB have jurisdiction over uh, UAS crashes. So, I th was that no? The it's it, no. It's the the it's point at which NTS. Yeah, it's the point at which NTSB it gets involved into a drone crash or a UAS crash. So currently, it has to be any UAS over three hundred pounds. I do believe, if I read yeah. the article correctly, and a VUC and. Uh, uh, one other organization, oh, a small UAS uh, coalition, uh, are advocating that it change from a weight category to a monetary damage category. 
um, being anything over $500 in damage property or personal, which is very small. Tiny, tiny. Yeah, what if you've got a brand new $500 GoPro that gets damaged in a race? Well, you wouldn't have it on in a race. That's too much weight. Isn't that the same threshold as the part 107? Uh, I believe so. It is. They want it to be more in line with part 107 is what they stated. I don't know that I agree with that. As we would, as the Japanese would say me all, say to me all, Masina-san, it will be very difficult. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if you're flying freestyle and you have a midair with somebody else and you both crash and destroy GoPros and a battery, like you're way over five hundred dollars. Yeah, that that so. seems like a nutty threshold. Yeah, it seems kind of like it is. Textjet wants us yeah, to know we... it's for commercial flights. Yeah, right. It I mean, is. A lot of what a lot of the work that we do is with with uh, Part 107 uh, folks, but that's still to me it's still nutty. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing a commercial, I mean, let's say for an example, you're doing a you know a real estate job, and you have your twelve hundred dollar Mavic out there, and uh, you crash that, then oh well, then TSB is crawling crawling around and Yeah, so. Again, and, and what is recreational and what is, you know, right. we, should be part yeah, 107 is really like almost everything really falls under 107. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we understand that you have to, you know, that this is, you know, if you crash and if you have a, that's why my question was with respect to 107, and you have to do more than $500 damage to property, then you are required to report the that incident to the FAA. So I get, and, I, I, you know, we understand that. I, believe that number doesn't include the UAS, so that would not include that GoPro. Yeah, external external so. damage. Yeah. It would include your friend's that. GoPro if you crashed into him? <laughs> or car. Or yeah. how do you know your friend didn't crash into you? <laughs> it's always your friend. You crashed into your... No, it's always the friend that crashes into <laughs> you, isn't it? <laughs> I mean... Oh, man. Okay. Uh, All right, next... heavy... Yeah, I know we're 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 going a little off kilter here, but uh, I'm going to leave you guys with one thing. So we had the Olympics, obviously started this last week. Uh, They had a pretty cool uh, drone uh, demonstration there. I haven't seen it yet. A couple of people, 1,800 drones. Intel. Who who did it? Do we know? It wasn't Intel. Intel. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I thought they slowed that down. They laid those people off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a smaller show than their normal one. It was still pretty impressive. Uh, I've only seen a couple of videos here and there about it. But um, my question to you is, and you know, think of this as kind of a poll: How long before drone racing makes it into the? Yeah, Alex, are you uh, <laughs> lobbying the <laughs> Olympic committee to get yeah, drone racing? Well, Josh, in? You, Josh, do you have a? I can't say anything about it yet. Are there are there any are there any um, YouTube videos on the uh, uh, Olympic oh, drones? Sure. There there's sure some there out are. there, and and to talk to some of the people are that at, are, so. some of the people are in the comments uh, talking about the 107 versus recreational. And the way the FAA states it, if you're flying purely for the fun of it, it's recreational. If you're flying for any other reason. Your reason is I want to create a popular YouTube channel, even if it's not monetized. If I want to create this because I want to trade my my time with for you, or I'm doing it as a favor for somebody else, that's not for fun or recreation. If you're doing this for any reason besides it's just for the fun of it, it's not recreational and you need a Part 107. Now, they don't seem to be really going after people for that, but that's... I don't know. Do you want to risk it? That's what it is. So, uh, oh. what, going back to the a little bit earlier, when going back to a little earlier when we were trying to think of an acronym for props, what it could stand for. Oh, I don't no. have a good one yet, but what I have right now is professional and recreational operator point system. Oh, hey! Hey, look at that. Came up with that. Cool. All right, so here we go. Could we may better, have lost but... Dave, but... Guys, oh. uh, don't feel like you need to stick around. I know we're we're past time. Um, you need to go, go. Uh, at this point, we're just kind of messing about. But 
Um, so to answer BDA's now? question there, like if if you're flying, the intent of your flight is for fun, and you happen to capture something interesting and you post it on YouTube later, that's probably still fine being recreational from what I've understood. That would be fine, not really. It's, it's supposed to be the not intent probably. of your flight when you're taking off. Like, I'm taking off, I'm intending to have fun. Well, I believe you can change the intent mid-flight, too. So I'm not 100% certain on that. Yeah, that might be complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's it tricky. Be. Just a yeah. gray area. We've got that video going of the drone show. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, I'll have to click on your uh, live button there to make it show up. Watch stream. Now other people can see the giant ball floating in the sky. <laughs> That's. Oh, you can hear them too. Yeah, I can hear something. Oh, they make a giant globe. <laughs> Pretty impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. Is it an authentic representation of the continents? <laughs> yep. There's Australia right there. Oh my goodness. Uh, is New you Zealand there anywhere? I don't see it. Yeah, it's right up in here. <laughs> is there one, one or two drones? Since it's at night, they should have made it look like the moon and lined it up with the moon so we have two moons. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask if they had uh, droves on them that uh, could be seen from three statute miles. Yeah, it does uh, lights. That should... Well, it's not in the U.S. It doesn't have to. But the Intel ones do. Uh, yeah. At least... Yeah, because you can see a drone light show from quite a distance away. Yeah, yeah. So a lonely... Oh, a lonely fatality's not in here. Never mind. All right. Excellent. So, anywho, uh, on that note, guys, um, thank you for joining. Um, again, if you have questions or comments on uh, our response to the uh, advisory circular, feel free to reach out to any one of us, and um, we'll get the comments uh, adjusted, um, and then we'll get those up pretty quickly on the website so that you guys can reference them as well as links to submit your comments. So um, with that, I bid you all a good evening and a uh, great rest of your week. Thanks for all the comments, everybody. Thank you guys. Great yep, job absolutely. on the, on the Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>